Hello and welcome back to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B. Joining me today is Jacob. Hello. And we're finally going to be reviewing Zombicide Black Plague today. It's been a long time coming. We just finished up our uh, sort of final hurrah on that a couple weeks ago now, and we're going to be giving it a proper review. But first, let's talk about some tales from the tabletop. Jacob, I know you had a chance to run a one-shot, actually, this past weekend. Yeah, I did. I had a few of my friends over, and one of them had played D&D before. The rest were completely brand new. Okay, all right. Yeah, this is a familiar experience. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun. I ran a uh, level three one-shot, so I, I brought them up to level three immediately. Just That's good. It's more interesting that way. I mean, right. I mean, we've talked before about how 5e did a lot to sort of like raise the effectiveness of mm-hmm. level one characters. But I think for a one-shot, you really still want to bump them up a little bit. Exactly. Because like in a campaign, you can like grow with your character over the first like three one-shots or something like that. So you, you just go up one level per like session. Yeah. But on a, at a one-shot, you're just going there for one time, having this character, boom, all right, let's play something fun. So I think level three is a good one just because it's still simple enough for uh, new players to be able to grasp and not too complex. Right. Yeah, totally agree. And so how did your relatively novice players get along? They had some very interesting issues. Uh, So I had some very interesting players in general. Okay. I mean, I had the uh, Hannah the Barbarian. Okay, yes, all right, punny, I like it. Yep, so she was a, as she it was described, an eight-foot-tall, like, giant barbarian who, like, would wear bear skin, like, uh, hide armor and that kind of stuff, and just loved bears and was part of a moon cult. Okay, was she, like, were there werebears involved, or was it just, like, I like bears and I also like the moon? I think it's more, I like bears and I like the moon. Fair enough. And she was just like one of those very, very happy-go-lucky barbarians. Okay. And very friendly. So it would be like, you know, she she always wanted to have a pet. Unfortunately, they couldn't really withstand her petting. Ooh. So. Uh, yeah, that's no good. So she's had them in the past, but um, not really that much anymore. Which brings us to our druid. And so we had our druid who... Pretty much grew up in the forest with a basilisk as her mentor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's going to be this kind of game, I guess. Yep, exactly. But in general, she did a good job. This was her first time ever playing D&D. And, you know, Druid is not the easiest for a first-time player. It's true. Because you have to keep track of, like, the different stats for the different animals and what they can do and blah de blah de blah blah so she did a really good job with that. I, you know, tried to help as much as I could. She went for a bit of a healing uh, druid kind of thing. Okay. So she had the healing spells so, because we didn't have a cleric. So she pretty much stepped up in that. Right. And yeah, it was a lot of fun to play with. And then we had Itchy and Scratchy over here. Pretty <laughs> much. It just gets better and better. Yeah. We had a rogue and we had a tiefling warlock. Okay. Now, both of them were money hungry and just pretty much were looking out for themselves or at least getting the money as well as possible. So when I introduced the plot, which was, oh, someone's daughter has gone missing. They were like, okay, do they have any pictures of her? No, this is like, you know, medieval fantasy. There are no like 
photographs. <laughs> like, okay, do they have any portraits? No, they're really expensive to get portraits. It's not like, you know, going to CVS and having it printed out. It's actually like a lot of money for a small village, especially with no painters in there. Right. Yeah, that's kind of step one there is you want to acquire an artist. Yeah. And so it's just like, why would you want all these things? Well, to impersonate her, of course. Excellent. So good. This is the the young woman who had been abducted? Yes. Or, or who has gone missing. Okay. So yeah. Nebulously missing. And the first thing that they decide to do is pretend to be her? Yes. Pretend to be her. Take the money and go. Okay. I guess that's one way to do things. Yeah. So luckily they, they did oblige me and, and followed at least part of the plot. They found that she indeed was dead. Okay. And then they were very happy because she wasn't fully decomposed so they could take a look and see what she looked like. <laughs> Jesus. So they could then turn into her. And I mean, there, there were some very interesting conversations. Like the rogue actually wanted to knock out her father and have him wake up with his head inside the, the corpse of his daughter. What? What? <laughs> what? Okay, this is not a story that you primed me for off air. You told me that they were like unscrupulous and that they were like gonna kidnap him and demand some money like this was not a dress and this is coloring my entire like impression of this experience yeah i mean they all really wanted to kill or at least two of them really wanted to kill a lot of people just to get the money and what money um yeah it was just there was a lot of scheming involved all right but, I mean, in the end, it was pretty hilarious. At one point or other, you had Hannah the Barbarian carrying around a Mastiff. Right, uh, there we who, go. Good, wholesome fun. Who is the Druid. Even better. And then you also have Hannah the Barbarian saving a guard from her other two colleagues. After that, taking the guard and throwing him like a football into a tree. Sure. I mean, she's a Barbarian, after all. Exactly. So th- there was just a lot of crazy hijinks yeah that sounds like total chaos yeah it it was there was a lot of chaos but it was fun it was the fun kind of chaos they were decently murder hobo-y but not fully murder hobo-y i don't know it sounds i mean i guess they didn't let the rogue go through with that one plan yes they, they didn't let him go through with that also i mean they had two people who were much more interested in being like neutral or neutral good and not being evil sure while two of them were more interested in just being chaotic, chaotic. <laughs> and so the, there was a little bit of balance there. But the other thing is, normally with murder hobo kind of parties, they don't care who it is. It's the first person they see, they just want to kill them. Right. Like, it's just kill, 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 everything. No, these guys, they were like, you know, actually thinking of a plan of like how to do this in a way that would, well, kill some people, but not kill everyone. Right. They weren't about to raise the whole town in order to get the money. Right. They recognize that indiscriminate murder is counterproductive. They're going to be more selective about their victims, yes. Exactly, exactly. You know, the victim is chosen like a fine wine or <laughs> or like a wine that's thrown at you and therefore you have to drink. Okay, all right. <laughs> I think I, I got this metaphor a little bit too far. Completely ridiculous. We're going to yeah. move on. One thing that I want to mention... So we haven't done this yet at time of recording, but at the time that this episode airs, we will have actually done this, is Starfinder. Yes. So we're getting started with a Starfinder stream every other Saturday. Mm -hmm. It's going to be four of us playing. Jacob's the DM. Yep. We're going to be sitting around a table, I assume, 
we're going to have a starship, and we're kind of just going to be palling around space dealing with whatever Jacob decides to throw at us. Yes. I'm super... That's that's never good. Um, I'm super stoked for this, personally. Uh, Starfinder is a really interesting system. We've talked a little bit about it before. I think that it it takes a lot of inspiration from Pathfinder, which obviously we've both played and we both love, but it tweaks it in enough interesting ways that it's not just Pathfinder in space. It's actually its own system that's kind of got its own unique flair to it. It's got, obviously, the unique lore of the setting, but also mechanically, you know, you've got some really interesting character types. You've got this almost like sun worship as a form of magic. Mm -hmm. Like you can sort of channel solar or lunar energy, which I think is really fascinating. And I'm I'm just looking forward to playing with a lot of these archetypes and playing with technology and all of these sorts of things. So hopefully we have fun with that. Hopefully you had fun watching that. Yes. And if you missed it, you can always check it out on our YouTube channel. The, The recording will be there and we'll be doing that every other Saturday. So at the time that this episode airs, it will be two Saturdays. It would actually be on Saturday the 24th. Okay, 24th. There you go. We've got numbers, dates, Saturday the 24th. Check it out. That'll be our next Starfinder stream. Should be a lot of fun. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> that makes 87 for me. What about you, Gowan? How many have you got? Uh, more than that, Troy. 53, 54, 55. Catch you still. Zombicide Black Plague is that type of game. You've got hordes upon hordes of zombies. You're just trying to kill them so that you can get from point A to point B. And today we're going to be reviewing the zombie killing goodness. Yeah, exactly. So we've played uh, quite a bit of this game, probably more than most games that we review. Definitely. Easily 10 games. Yeah, exactly. At, at least. that, And that's just been within the last year. Right. Like we, We've played even more of that earlier. I, I know I've played it with my friends for a few years now and yeah what zombicide is is a dungeon crawling game yeah exactly it is a little bit different than than what you normally expect from a dungeon crawler because it's not like you know you're just going against all these fantasy monsters no it's all zombies in a medieval time yep which is cool i think the theme itself is really cool like you're just going through your all different survivors and you're using crossbow swords magic and other things like that to kill zombies yeah I think it's really straightforward. Zombicide Black Plague is basically just a, a reskin. It's a setting shift for one of Kumini or Not's original games, Zombicide. Yeah. And I think it makes the jump perfectly. You've got, you know, magic and ranged weapons instead of guns. Mm-hmm. And personally, I'm with Jacob on this. I prefer the fantasy setting for my zombies, and I think it stands up perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. So how do you play this game? It starts with the survivors. You have six survivors, which are your party for each scenario. And the game is divided into pretty much, I think, 10 base scenarios when you buy the the box of Zombicide. Yep. That's just what you get in the box. When you're playing with six or less, you're always playing with at least six survivors. So if you have four players, some two people are going to be playing two survivors. Exactly. So on and so forth. It is just it's a balanced thing so that it's not too difficult or too easy for that matter. Right. During a round, each of the six survivors has a certain number of actions they can take. It starts off with uh, three actions per turn. And with those actions, they can do a few different kinds of things. They can search, they can open doors, they can kill zombies, they can kill doors, they can, (laughs) they can 
trade items and move and make noise. Yep, that's pretty much the actions that are available to you. It's a standard suite of dungeon crawly type actions. There's a handful of characters that have unique abilities that allow them to do things in place of an action. So a taunt, Mm -hmm. for example, or a shove, usually control effects like that. But for the most part, that's going to be the types of actions that you're working with. So each player has, as we mentioned, three of those to start. Each player gets one turn per round. And then once the round is over, they move on to the next phase. The objective is going to change from scenario to scenario, but they don't usually just involve killing zombies. There's usually something else that you're trying to accomplish, and then killing zombies is just something that happens along the way. So sometimes that's claim the objective tokens, sometimes that's escape via the exit on a certain tile. Very rarely it will actually be like kill this specific, uh, usually it's an abomination, sometimes it's a necromancer, special types of zombies that happen on the field. But along the way, you're going to be killing lots and lots and lots of zombies. So every time you kill a zombie, you're going to gain experience, and these experience thresholds enable you to gain extra abilities. So you've got four basically different tiers. You've got your blue, which is where you start, and your characters have sort of an iconic ability, whether that's regeneration in the case of a tanky character, archery, marksmanship, something like that for a ranger. And then as they advance into yellow, orange, and then red... They get different abilities. So at yellow, this is just getting an extra action to spend. At higher levels, it's other things that are much more indicative of their build, you know, what they're good at. And it really allows them to specialize. You know, do I want to deal AOE damage or do I want to deal pinpoint precision high damage? Stuff like that. So you can kind of change it up based on the needs of either your scenario or your party, more likely. You know, you've got at least six survivors on the board. People are going to be wanting to fill niches that other people aren't already in. Yeah, exactly. Balance is pretty important in the game because if you're too heavy on one side or the other, like if you if you have too many spellcasters or people with spells that don't really have many defensive abilities or like melee abilities, uh, you're going to end up frying each other because yeah. the game does have friendly fire. And so, like, you know, if you have too many of the you know, really high damage to like one uh, one zombie, like really good at using this one like hammer or something like that. You're not going to be able to clear the mobs. Right. So it, it is pretty important to like you know work on that. But after everyone has taken their turn during a round, it's now the zombies who get to go. Yep. So any zombies that are left will now get an activation. What this means is that a zombie gets to move a certain number of spaces or activate a certain number of times. Most zombies get one activation per round. So they get to move from one square to an adjacent square or make one attack each, depending on on where they are. This is all based on how the board is set up, really, and like where they're going is going to be based on where the survivors are, how much noise is around, what they can see, and things like that. It's all programmed. So no one is actually playing as the zombies. It's like the zombies have an order. It's just like, oh, if they see a survivor, they're going to go after the survivor. Then if they don't see any survivors, they're going to go towards the, the, the space that has the most noise. Otherwise, they will split up, and then it's up to the, the players to choose how they go. So it can be very strategic in the planning phases of it. Yeah, very much so. It's, since it is just a flowchart, there are ways to sort of strategically manage the zombies, and that's definitely something that we're going to talk about. So when the zombies activate, as Jacob mentioned, they can either move if they're not currently on a tile with a survivor, or make an attack if they are. Zombie attacks, unlike character attacks, you don't have to roll for. They automatically hit. They're going to assign one damage 
to one survivor on that tile. The players get the chance to decide which survivor takes that hit, and if any of them have armor, they can roll to dodge it, but one damage is going to be assigned, regardless of whatever else goes on. So that is something that's really important to manage, especially since survivors only have three health each. Yes, exactly. And then, once all the zombies that are currently on the board have gone, it's time to add more. Yay, everybody's favorite part. Yeah, it's always just it's always interesting. What are we gonna get? What are we gonna get? What's uh what's Zombicide gonna give us this time? Oh, eight walkers. <laughs> yep, that'll happen. So so what it is 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 it's all based on cards. Each card has the four different tiers, uh, same as the survivors. So depending on the tier of the highest level survivor, that is what the card will show to put on the board. The zombies spawn at certain spawn points. Most of the games start with three of those. And when you draw a card, you're like, okay, this spawn point gets this many of this type of zombie. So the types of zombies that you can get are the walkers, which are your standard mooks. They're like the guys that shuffle along being like brains and just want to kill you, but pretty slowly. Stereotypical zombies. Then you have the fatties. So these are a little bit bigger, a little bit tougher. They are harder to kill, but they still move just as slowly and do actions just as slowly as the regular zombies. They actually take two damage in one hit in order to kill. So it can't be, you know, if you have a weapon that only does one damage, you're not going to be able to kill a fatty. Right. And since it's relatively rare for a weapon to deal two or more damage in a single hit, these are something that you kind of have to manage very carefully. Exactly. Then we get to some of the more specialized ones, which are the runners. Now, these guys are fast, so they get two activations per turn instead of one like the other two types. And they just are trying to get at you as quickly as possible and do a lot of really quick damage. Yep. Next, we go to the big bad of the zombie world, the abomination. This thing is as big as two uh, of the survivors put on top of each other. It's it's pretty intimidating. It's like this huge thing with its gorilla arms up in the air. It's there to destroy you. Yeah, uh, it's there to ruin your day. Exactly. Armor is no use against it, and you need to do three damage in one hit to take it down. Which, importantly, is impossible in the base game. There is no combination of weapons or abilities in just the core box. They will deal three damage, which means you need to use a special item called Dragon Bile. Yes. That's the only way to kill an abomination unless you're using the expansions. Exactly. So Dragon Bile is pretty much like an inferno. Like you take it, you throw it, it's alchemist fire, you, you you light it up with a torch, and everything in that tile is dead. Yeah, it doesn't actually deal damage. It just kills anything on its tile. Exactly. And finally, the last type of enemy that you will be facing is the Necromancer. Now, the Necromancers are interesting because... They're not trying to kill you. They're the ones behind all of this zombie bullshit. And they just want to, you know, make more more zombies appear. Yeah, they're just trying to book it. When they appear, they add another spawn point to the board. So that's just another spawn that will add more and more zombies. And if you let these get out of control, you're screwed. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get out of the area. And they do that by getting to the closest spawn point and leaving. And so... It's really important to manage them because as soon as they leave, their spawn point becomes permanent. And once a certain number of them escape, A, you're getting to the point where there's way too many zombies. Mm -hmm. And B, you've lost the game because you've let them escape and now they're wreaking havoc on the world at large. And this brings us to another point, which is not all the cards are actually 
just spawn cards. There are cards that will give zombies extra activations. So you draw them and you think you're safe. You know, you, you calculate it out that, you know, most likely nothing else is going to happen. They're just going to move into your square and they're not going to actually attack you. Then you draw one of these cards and it's just like, uh oh, <laughs> now these five zombies that are in my square are going to wreck my shit. And somebody's dead. Exactly. But extra activation cards actually aren't the only way that zombies can get extra activations. And this is one of the biggest dangers of the game. Once every miniature of a particular zombie type has been placed on the board. So every walker is mm-hmm. on the board. If you draw another card that would prompt you to spawn more walkers, instead, every walker currently on the board gets a free activation, which yep. means they get to either move or they get to chomp your face off. Yep. So managing how many zombies are on the field and managing the spawns is pretty much one of the big meta strategies of this game, mm-hmm. both in terms of you know making sure that you prioritize certain types of zombies that are common on the board, you know, Runners, obviously very dangerous, but if you're close to running out of walkers, you might choose to take out some walkers instead of taking runners when you choose your targets. Things like that, being able to manage spawn points. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we didn't mention is that if you do successfully kill a necromancer, you get to take any spawn point off the board, not just the one they created. Yeah. So if you want to take a spawn point off the board in a remote area that you can't really get to that's just putting unanswerable dudes on the board, that's a really good idea. Being able to manage stuff like that effectively, and importantly, being able to do it before you get to too high a level is very important. Because the biggest way that the game scales, the zombies don't get harder. They just spawn more of them, which makes it more likely that they'll have extra activations. So everything really about this game comes down to how effectively can you manage zombies, both from a spawn perspective and from a movement perspective. We mentioned before that zombies will follow a flowchart. If they can see a survivor, they'll move towards the closest survivor. If they can't, they'll move towards a space that has the highest noise, each survivor counting as one noise. So being able to strategically pull zombies in one direction or another is really important for splitting them off into manageable chunks. Because even the strongest sorcerer can only kill so many zombies per turn, if you let every single zombie funnel into one particular area, eventually that person's going to get overwhelmed. Yeah. So you really want to come at this from a couple of different angles. You want to split them up. You can either you know open doors, cast spells. You can deliberately make noise. Whatever it is that you need to do in order to kind of manipulate how the zombies are moving, that's going to give you an advantage in the long run. And exactly. I think that's basically all the strategy that there is in this game. Yeah, I'd say so. And uh, just because we hadn't mentioned it yet, the way that combat and other things like that work in Zombicide is all based on rolling dice. Right. So each weapon has a certain damage point as well as a certain like hit threshold. So if you roll anything that is that hit threshold or higher, you will get a hit. And each hit does the damage of the weapon. So if, for example, you have two fireballs that you're slinging at the same time, because you can dual wield fireballs in this game... <laughs> You can roll, I think, up to eight different dice. And, you know, if you hit with all of them, you killed eight zombies. Mm-hmm. If there are that many on the square. But different weapons have different thresholds. So some of them might have lower damage or lower number of die uh, rolled, but a lower threshold. So it's like, you know, it might be easier to hit, but you only hit one zombie. 
versus something like a greatsword, which is really hard to hit with, but you hit a ton of zombies when you just do. chopping heads off left and right. Exactly. So that's pretty much the mechanic, both for hitting zombies, for opening doors, for just about everything that requires any kind of randomness. Yep. And so the game itself is interesting. And one thing that I think really it has going for it is just the production value of the game. Yeah, I totally agree. Like just the the pieces in the game, like everything from the zombie miniatures to the figurines that are each of the different heroes to the you know cardboard tiles that you put out. Everything is really, really well done. The artwork is nice. It's, it's just a really good looking game. It's cool mini or not. They do a good job, especially with the minis. The sculpts are really detailed and you can just have a lot of fun with them. They, they have some personality and in general, just a well-made game from a production value point of view. Yeah, and it's also... I think a lot of fun. It's one of the best games to play if you just want to feel like a badass. You know, the zombies themselves, apart from the abominations, none of the zombies are going to be that threatening to you, and you're going to be killing swaths at a time. Yeah. So if you just want to play a game where you and five friends blast the hell out of hordes upon hordes of zombies, like, this is the game for you. Yeah. Um, I think it's really good at stimulating kind of an endless mode in a video game you know what Mm -hmm. i mean where you've just got these hordes of enemies that are coming at you without stop and you're getting more powerful all the time there's getting more of them to blow up i think that's actually a really important point is that as i mentioned the game doesn't get harder it just gets more zombies yeah and so it's really built to fuel that urge it's like i just want to kill as many zombies as possible it's like okay well we're gonna make it really easy for you to kill as many zombies as possible until they swarm you under so I think that is something that the game absolutely has going for it. Yeah, but that also has a flip side. And as we like to say, no game is perfect. This game, as Greg was saying, you do feel like a badass sometimes. Like You are killing swaths of zombies. But that also means that it is a little bit boring. Yeah. You are sitting there and you're just like, you don't feel the danger. Like There are certain points, especially the beginning, like the beginning of the scenario normally. When you just have some zombies coming out and like you can get into a really tight spot, especially if an abomination comes out or a necromancer manages to get away, you can get into a very tight spot and that's when you can have some danger. But by the time you get to someone being an orange, like late orange or red uh, level, it's pretty much over. Like you have the equipment that you've been searching for. You have your ideal build for the most part. And now you're just sitting there popping away at the zombies and, you know, killing 10, 15 zombies per turn, depending on, like, you know, whether you're doing mass killing or just, you know, targeting the necromancers or abominations or whatever. And so it actually gets pretty dull. And I think that that was one of our biggest disappointments with the game. Yeah, totally agree. One of the ways that we sort of tried to fix that after we sensed that it was kind of going in that direction was we brought in other types of zombies. So the expansions introduced things like zombie crows, zombie wolves, different more powerful abominations, things like that. And we kind of tried to bring some of those in, but it, it went too far in the other direction, I feel yeah. like. You know, you have these enemies that are moving three spaces in a single activation, whereas normal zombies only move one. You have dead eye walkers, which can actually attack you from range. All of these sorts of things are 
making the game harder, but because of the sort of uneven way that things spawn, there's no guarantee that you'll get those things when you're actually able to deal with them. And if you get them in blue, yeah, there's nothing you can do. Exactly. You know, you haven't had enough time to search for the items that you need to power up. You haven't had enough time to learn your abilities. I think overall, the game scaling just either is too easy or too hard. There's really no in between. And I think the game suffers for it. I completely agree. We've we've had many TPKs in this game because we've used even just one type of extra zombie. And it's one that we don't even think is actually that difficult. It's the zombie crows. They get some extra movement, but they still only get one activation. So it's not like they are like the wolves who can move and or attack three times in a turn. Right. Or the dead-eye walkers who can attack you from a range. They still have to be in the same square, so you can still do a lot of planning with them. But it was too difficult at times. But that also brings us to another part of this game, which makes it very frustrating for certain people, is that it's really hard to get even leveling in the game. Yes, very much so. So especially if you're a character that is playing any kind of support role, which uh, both of us do actually pretty often. Tankity um, tank. And I'm utility always, so you're not really killing the zombies, and that's the only way you're really getting experience other than picking up the objectives. And there are only so many objectives that you can find within a game, right. and they're not going to get you to the same point as your friends who are killing zombies who you're healing, who you're tanking damage for, who you're like you know just doing the other parts of the game. And that can be really profoundly unsatisfying. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that goes hand in hand with that is that as a purely co-op game, this is a game that is very susceptible to, you know, having an alpha player just sort of dominate the game. They just say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And then they've determined in their head what is, quote unquote, objectively the best thing for every other person at the table to do. And especially if that person is also the person who's playing the strikiest, damagiest, killing the most zombies character... They're just going to run away to the game and everybody else is kind of like, I mean, I'm here, I guess. And I I think a lot of it comes down to an individual gaming group. And don't get me wrong. Some of my absolute favorite moments of this game were when I was a supporting character and, you know, I tanked the shit out of some stuff. Like, that was awesome. I saved the day. That was really cool. But also, that's not something that's happening on my turn. On my turn, it's move, move, move. Okay, I'm done. You know, yeah. I don't actually have anything exciting or interesting to do. And so the game feels, I think, uneven yeah. is a great way to describe it. I completely agree. And yeah, that that all being said, what do you think? What, what's your rating for this game? So I've gone back and forth on this a couple of times, and I think I'm going to give it a skip it. Zombicide was never my favorite game to begin with. It's fun and exciting sometimes, but overall, I think that one, I personally would rather play different types of games. I'd rather play engine building Euro games, and we know that, and we acknowledge that. But even if we're thinking about what Zombicide does, I believe that there are other games that do it better. I think if you're trying to do a dungeon crawl, if you're trying to do you know, monster killing, you're going to look at Massive Darkness. If you want to do sort of RPG light, control some characters on a map and have them level up, you can look into something like Descent or Imperial Assault. And yeah, you can argue that those games came out later, and maybe Zombicide should get a nod for being the original. But I also think that as it stands right now, looking at it compared to some of the other games in the field, I would just skip Black Plague. I will agree with that. I also, I mean, I own the game and I have a lot of stuff for it. And I was really excited for the game. 
There's some really cool miniatures. The characters are awesome. And there's some really cool ideas in the game. They just don't come to fruition. And balancing the game is very difficult. And like, the base game is too easy. But then as soon as you add some of the other zombies, it's too hard. And you have to like, figure out what is the good balance. And that's, that's what the game designer is supposed to do. One of the things that frustrated me from the perspective of someone who has all these expansions is they don't even tell you how many of or what to add at which point. They don't give you any guidance of like, you know, if you want a medium or a little bit more uh, harder game, add this or add this many or this many cards of this type or, or anything. So trying to figure that out is also difficult in itself. I think that this game, if you're into the minis, if you like the different the miniatures and that kind of stuff, you want to use them for your RPGs, you want to paint them up, then you could pick it up. But as a game on its own, the more I play it, the more I think it's really not worth it. Well, there you go. Zombicide Black Plague is a skip it from Dragon's Demise. We had some fun with it, but ultimately can't recommend playing it. Real quick, we do want to mention, of course, a couple of games that are similar. We mentioned a few of them already. The one that I'm going to bring up is Massive Darkness. Mm -hmm. Massive Darkness is a new dungeon crawler from CMON. Does a lot of the same stuff that Zombicide does. You're moving through an area. You're killing hordes of enemies. You're looting rooms to acquire equipment. You're leveling up. But it just adds so much more. You've got more fleshed out ability trees that you can explore. Everybody's leveling up at a more even pace because everyone's level is tied to your progress through the dungeon, not just to how many individual zombies that you've killed. I think Massive Darkness is a fantastic game that scratches a lot of the same itches. Check it out if you want a horde-killing game that isn't Zombicide. And if you want a game that has really awesome miniatures and will be brutally, brutally difficult, well, you died. So go ahead and play some Dark Souls. <laughs> so Dark Souls, the board game, is definitely one of those games that will scratch those kinds of itches, will really make give you a challenge in a dungeon-crawling board game. And it is really a well-made game. It has some really interesting concepts, and it really focuses on that tension of, like, if I don't make this shot, everyone is dead. Or like, you know, I, I'm dying or we're losing a lot of stuff or whatever it is. So if you really want that kind of tension, that kind of like fear for your character, fear for like their life, definitely check out Dark Souls, the board game. And that's our review. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. Be sure to join us on Wednesday for our Valentine's Day live stream. So it's going to be a whole bunch of us. We're going to be here together and playing some board games, eh, you know, having some fun. Also, be sure to join us for our other live streams. We have Starfinder live streams that happen every other Saturday. And so the next one is going to be on the 24th of February. And we also will be bringing you Pandemic Legacy Season 2, which is going to be happening on the alternating Fridays starting on February 16th. So thank you all for joining us and be sure to join us next week when we are again joined by Leslie. And we will be talking about and reviewing one of her favorite games, Sentinels of the Multiverse.